Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central, and it starts right now. Welcome to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscoping. I've got three hours worth of some great sports talk content, but doing things a little differently this morning. Don't have any guests this morning, but I want to focus on you, the listeners. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to get your thoughts on the Super Bowl, NBA, NHL, MLB, college, we got high school basketball playoffs coming up. Whatever you want to talk about, this is a show dedicated to you, the listeners, this morning. So be sure to call on in. Give me your thoughts on anything you've got on your mind in the sports world today. Call on in. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. And we are going to start with the Super Bowl this past week. Before we get to the big storylines and, and discuss what the game means, I just wanted to talk about the game as a whole. Talk about what happened during the game and and what what really happened in this game. The Buccaneers won 31-9 over the Kansas City Chiefs, which I think to a lot of people, myself included, it was a big surprise. I was not expecting this much of a blowout. I was expecting a very close game. I was personally expecting the Chiefs to win. Partially, I and and I don't even know if I would really count this as an excuse or anything. Because I'll talk about this in just a little bit. But a lot of people on Twitter... And on Facebook and throughout the internet and and a lot of the analysts the next day were talking about how the Kansas City Chief offensive line wasn't at 100%. And that's what caused a lot of the offensive problems for Kansas City. Which, first off, yeah, they may may not have been at 100%. And they may have been a little banged up. But the, the Buccaneers defensive line... Yeah, it's pretty good. It, it It's decent. It's gotten the Dominican, too. And, yeah, they've got JPP, you know, at linebacker, Levante David. They've got a good front seven. But I just, first off, 
but before I get to my thoughts on on that matchup, in spite of how it looked, and and when I looked at this this morning to see, I was shocked at this. Not only did the Chiefs have more total yards, now granted they had six more plays. They had sixty nine plays as compared to Tampa Bay sixty three. And they only had 10 more yards. So you don't really know how much there is. Both of them had 11 drives. But the yards per play slightly higher for the Buccaneers. So there's balance there. But the passing yards were a decent bit higher than, uh, than the Buccaneers. But again, the the... The attempts were a lot more. Kansas City had 243 to Tampa Bay's 195, with Kansas City having 49 attempts, uh, and the and the Buccaneers having 20 less at 29. Buccaneers did have more yards per pass, so you know that. The numbers may be a little skewed just because of the the greater number of attempts for the Buccaneers, or for the Chiefs, rather. But still, the fact that they were able to have comparable numbers to the Buccaneers, when if you look at the game and you look at how it looked, it looked like the Chiefs were getting dominated. In that game. And, you know, uh, Mahomes threw two interceptions, had three sacks. But if you look at it, now granted, some there were some moments, one in particular where he was basically parallel to the ground and still was able to get it off and almost completed the pass might I add, which that was one of those incredible plays that it if it would have been completed, now it wouldn't have had the same level of thrill and oh my God factor as the David Tyree catch. Pletion would have actually occurred, and it was into the end zone, so it would have been, it would have been for a If that would have been completed, that would have gone down as one of the greatest passes and one of the greatest quarterback moments in Super Bowl history. But, alas, it was not. But still, that shows that there were a number of times, and there were several, that Mahomes could have been sacked, should have been sacked, any other quarterback would have been, but Mahomes being Mahomes, he figured out a way to get off a pass. No matter how awkward or maybe people may say foolish it was. And that's what caused the two interceptions. So that's that's the give and take you get with Mahomes. But let me go back to the original point. And some people are going to disagree with me. And if you do, I want to hear from you. 323-784-9681. That number again, three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. But if, but Mahomes, I do not think the the offensive line, 
for the Kansas City Chiefs is entirely to blame for what happened to Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. And here's why. If you watch that game, Mahomes, it's not like the... It's not like the pocket is automatically breaking down within half a second. Just looking at it on TV. Now, obviously, with the camera angles uh, for the, you know, on TV, you can't really see what's going on downfield. But based on what I saw, and based on how pressure was getting to him, which wasn't really all that quickly. Yeah, it might have been, you know, a few months quicker than normal, but not by much. I think I'm going to give the majority of the credit for Mahomes having to do all the scrambling he did and all and everything that happened to him in that game. I'm going to give the majority of the credit, which is crazy because I did not think they weren't they were that amazing going into this game. I'm giving the majority of the credit to the Buccaneers secondary. I think and like I said, you can't really tell you can't really tell on the TV screen whether or not it's happening, but it seemed to me watching that game like the Buccaneers secondary were completely shutting down. And this is very impressive because the Chiefs have a ton of great wide receivers. It seemed like they were completely shutting down the wide, the receiving game for the Chiefs and giving Mahomes no options whatsoever. Because you could see him. You could see him in that game. He would step back, look downfield for a, a, a second or two, and then start rolling out and start scrambling. And that's when the pocket started collapsing. And then he had to figure out something to do. Because he was able to sit in the pocket for a, a, at least a second and a half before he had to decide, okay, I have to scramble out. And it also shows, now granted, this is also because of Mahomes. I think that's another factor for why they're, they only got three sacks on Mahomes. is because I don't think a lot of people gave, and I think it's because of the name value of the front seven for Tampa Bay, and also because of the fact that there were injuries to Kansas City's offensive line. But I think a lot of people gave a lot too much a lot of credit a little too much credit to the pressure that Mahomes was receiving for what happened in that game did it play a factor obviously but I think the secondary are the unsung heroes of that game for Tampa Bay But those are th- that was my biggest takeaway from this game. That was that was the biggest takeaway I had j- watching the game, looking at it in in the moment, was that the Buccaneers secondary was were the team that really showed 
that really showed up and really made the game what it was. Again, like I said, I was absolutely shocked. And what's even more shocking to me, looking at it on paper, and this really shows the... This really shows how good Mahomes is. Is that he had 59 more yards, passing yards, than Brady did in that game. He had 270 passing yards to Brady's 201. Now, granted, Brady had three touchdowns to Mahomes' two interceptions. So when it really counts, what really matters, Brady won that hands down. And and the Buccaneers have the the rec, the the final score and the Super Bowl championship, the Lombardi Trophy, to prove it. But the concept that Mahomes was completely shut down in this game, yeah, he was for the most part. Yet he still managed to put up some pretty good numbers. And that just shows how powerful and how strong Mahomes is. Mahomes will be back. The Chiefs will be back. Mahomes, especially hearing everything that we heard during the offseason and and going into the season, especially after the last dance and people's comparison of his work ethic and how he is and how Mahomes is in practice, comparing him to how Jordan was in practice. Mahomes will be back. The Chiefs will be back. And they're they're gonna be a dynasty. They are they're certainly going to be a dynasty and, and think about it, Mahomes only, Mahomes is only twenty five. So the that this solidifies him as never being able to get to Brady level. Now if you you know Mahomes has a lot of work to do. Let's put it that way. Because now, no matter what he does, unless he's able to win eight, which is an astronomical number. I mean, no no team has won eight. And, you know, Brady broke every single record that you can think of when it comes to Super Bowl championships. You know, he alone has more Super Bowls than any franchise does. So I don't think you're I don't think Mahomes will ever get to that level. We'll talk about Brady and, and his legacy and, and what this means for him, what this means for a few other people, uh, in just a little bit. We'll talk to we'll talk about that at the first half hour to talk about the game itself talk about my thoughts on the game uh and and what what this means for the losers what this means for the chiefs uh you know moving forward i don't really know if you can say this really you know puts a blemish on on the chiefs or anything yes it does it it does to an extent it's definitely something that Chiefs don't want to have on their on their record, obviously. But I don't think you would say, you know, 
and and you have to take into consideration while i while i disagree with a lot of people who say oh the the offensive line is what killed the chiefs offensively while i don't think it's the be all end all i do think the the buccaneers secondary is what really did them in you do have to think they did have injuries and they did have a number of, or one player in particular who would have been a big help. Now, granted, he's been he's been gone all season, so I don't really think this can be an excuse per se. But looking ahead, you have to think that he's going to be a big asset to this team moving forward, and that's Lauren. Duverday Tardis, who decided to opt out for the entire season due to, you know, not due to his concern of COVID, but due to his work uh, with COVID with in Canada, his, you know, his home country of Canada and, and his hometown, which is admirable. You know, of course, you, you don't want to take away from that and you know you know he he made his choice and and obviously I don't think I I doubt if you asked him I don't think he has any regrets for it but looking ahead you know with everything going on and with things starting to move you know uh, relatively speaking quicker and quicker when it comes to getting everything back to normal and especially in Canada there, you know, by next season, hopefully you would assume by next season it'll be a situation where he'll be able to come back. So his return, along with getting healthier, is going to help uh, the Chiefs get better uh in the off season and and re and get refocused and and here's another thing and and let me just say real quick but before I I say what I'm about to say I I will be the first one to take full responsibility and and full um and and say that I was wrong about the Buccaneers because I said. And I, and I'll admit, I gave Brady a little too little credit. I gave, you know, the I gave uh, the whole entire franchise. I gave Bruce Arians a little too little credit. Um, but team with a brand new quarterback, first year quarterback, could win the Super Bowl. In the first year. Because. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that you have to take into consideration. And and this is. This is the reasoning for why. I thought this way. If you look at it. I'll compare him to. The. I'll compare him to the one quarterback. The only other quarterback who has been able to do this, 
win a Super Bowl with two separate franchises. One Peyton Manning. If you look at uh if you look at Manning when he got when he went to the paid when he went to the Broncos, excuse me. He he got the Broncos to the playoffs. And they, and they had a great season. But then they proceeded losing double overtime to the Ravens, who, you know, they went on to win the Super Bowl that year. Next season, they make it to the Super Bowl, but aren't able to win. And then it takes another two years before he's able to get to the Super Bowl. And, well, before he's able to get there and win it. So it took him four years to get all the right pieces around him and be able to do, you know, do what he set out to do. And, you know, that's, it's not something that, you know, is necessarily, you know, it's very hard to win a Super Bowl in the NFL. I mean, you hear it all the time. It's, it's very, you know, I this is actually an interesting question that I would again, you know, like I said, would love to hear from you guys. Three two three seven eight four nine six eight one is that number to call. That number again, three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. But that would be that's a very interesting question about uh you know what's the hardest trophy to win in sports. And I would say that the Super Bowl is probably the hardest. Because there's so many moving pieces when it comes to it. There's so many moving pieces uh, that I don't know if you if you you know, I I don't know if you can duplicate the and and not to mention also, it's not like the other leagues where you you can slip a game and still be able to win it all. In 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 football in the NFL, you lose and you're done. So I definitely would have to say that the Super Bowl is the, is the toughest one to win. Like I mentioned, you know, like I mentioned, like I said, I'm I'll, I'll take, you know, I'll, I'll I'll take all the criticism that that you want to throw at me for saying that I did not think Brady was going to be able to do it in his first year. But there's a reasoning for why. I looked at I looked at every other quarterback who has gone on from being a very successful quarterback with one team, moving on to be moving to another team later on in his career, and they were never able to duplicate their success right away. And now, granted, there has never been a quarterback like Brady. And and after the break, I will talk about what this means for his legacy 
as well as the legacy of a certain other person that he will always be attached to. But with that, you know, with that being said, I'll, I'll take full, I'll take all the, the knocks you want to give me when it comes to the fact that Brady, you know, I didn't think Brady was going to be able to do it in his first year. I I thought Mahomes was going to be able to repeat, which again, like I said, Super Bowl, very hard to win in the first place. Extremely hard to repeat. I thought he had in him. Uh, I Like I said, I did not expect Brady to be there in the first place. So, it's that's part of it. But, at the same time, it also doesn't help that, you know, that Brady is Brady. So those those are my overall thoughts on on the Super Bowl, uh, you know, and and where and and mostly on the Chiefs and where they go from here. This isn't the end of the world for the Chiefs. They're going to bounce back from this. They're still, uh, and, you know, this also depends upon what happens in the offseason and all of this, but I don't think the Chiefs really need that many pieces. It, they don't really need many pieces at all for them to be a legitimate contender. They're still for the Super Bowl again next season. Uh so this is a team that's going to be a dynasty, you know, for a while. Now, of course, they want to get to the point where they're winning these Super Bowls. They don't want to become like the Buffalo Bills where, you know, if you really think about it, the Bills had a dynasty in the late 80s and early 90s. But who really thinks about them? Because they every Super Bowl they went to, you know, the four falls of Buffalo, they lost every Super Bowl they were in. So you can't, you know, obviously the Chiefs don't want to be in that position. The Chiefs want to bounce back from this, and and it will be a good learning experience. And like I said, like I said earlier, Mahomes and what's come out about him and his work ethic and how he handles practice and everything, the comparisons they made to Michael Jordan after the last dance, he's going to be back. He's going to be looking for revenge. He's going to be looking for payback. He's going to be looking to win the Super Bowl next season. So he, so definitely Chiefs are definitely the team to watch in the AFC next season. So not far from over in Kansas City, that's for sure. I'll take a quick break, and then when I come back, I'm going to be talking about the legacy of Tom, what this means for the legacy of Tom Brady, and on top of that, what this means for the legacy of Bill Belichick and the Patriot Way. Stay tuned right here to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. And as always, if you want to call in, get your thoughts on all of this out there, 323-784-9681. That number again, 323 Nine six eight one. We'll be right back, right here on Sports Unlimited on Sports Central.
I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black, got the bushes black to match. Riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your horse. I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that forest now. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. And my name is Brandon Biscobing. And as always, if you want to call in, get your thoughts on anything sports related, call on in 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. We're going to stick to the Super Bowl, but now we're going to look at the overall legacy of Tom Brady and a little more importantly, Bill Belichick and the Patriot Way. First off, before you know, before before I go on to the more hard hitting portion of this, before I give you my big take, I think everyone can agree that this solidifies Tom Brady as the greatest of all. Seven Super Bowl championships, now winning it with two franchises, which only the only other quarterback to ever do it was Peyton Manning, and. He is hands down the greatest of all time. I don't think anyone can discount di- discount that. No, nobody can disagree with that at this point. And more importantly than Brady becoming the greatest of all time, which a lot of people thought he was already. Now, I was one of those guys that thought, you know, I thought that this was the big test to see if he really was the greatest of all time. And here's why. 
and a lot a, a lot of people agreed with me to an extent. I I think you know some pe- there was this big debate of it of was Brady a, a a system quarterback or was he really good enough to be in any system? And and of course Brady, you know, brought his own system and built and so at least somewhat built the offense with Bruce Arians in in Tampa Bay. But did you know what you know the the big debate you know prior to this season was did Bill make Tom or did Tom make Bill? And we've gotten the answer now. And the only reason why I think the debate was there was because you did have the likes of Matt Castle. You did have the likes of Jimmy Garoppolo, who, when Brady was down, they were able to step in and be good quarterbacks, be maybe even great quarterbacks in the NFL, in the Patriot system. And... You know, Castle had limited success in Kansas City, but not huge. Garoppolo obviously made the Super Bowl with San Francisco two years ago. But he's even, you know, after one injury-plague season, he's already being looked at as a bust in San Francisco, which I think is ridiculous, first of all. I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that people are thinking of thinking that San Francisco should be should move on from Garoppolo. He was injured basically the entire season this year. How is that fair to him to say, oh, he's a bust because he was injured? This, without a shadow of a doubt, proves to me that Brady made Belichick. Now, Belichick has a chance to rectify the situation. But especially with Cam Newton, who I thought now he didn't show me as much as I was thinking and hoping. I thought he had a lot more in the tank. But and 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 yes, of course, you need to have good players on the field. And and I will admit, I will say the one thing that Belichick has in his favor is the fact that the Patriots were missing so many players above and beyond. Like I think. If I remember correctly, I think it was 56 or 75% more players than any other franchise in the league. They were missing players because they opted out this season. And that's something, well, Belichick is not a man to make excuses. But he will, you know, but that can be a reasoning and a legitimate reasoning for why the Patriots weren't as good as maybe they could have been, or some may say they should have. But at least looking at it right now, completely destroys Bill Belichick's legacy. Completely. Entirely. Because the only time he has ever won in the NFL is with Brady. Couldn't do it in Cleveland when he was in Cleveland. A lot of people thought he was a mediocre coach when he was in Cleveland. You know, they they did decently well with Bledsoe. And, you know, Bledsoe did, 
lead that first Super Bowl team for the most part. But Brady was the hero in in that first Super Bowl. Uh, in, in in that first Super Bowl run. So he's never won without Brady. And while while there have been quarterbacks that have stepped in and have been decent, none of them have ever been able to uh, to the position that Brady was and and lead the Patriots to a a championship or even you know get them to a championship. And not only does this, at least in my mind, completely destroy Bill Belichick's legacy, and of course he has time to repair it. And I don't think, you know, I don't think he's going to retire anytime soon. Although he is starting, he is up there in age. He's sixty-eight. So how much time he has, who knows? But, as of right now, in my mind, this completely destroys Belichick's legacy. Brady made Belichick not the other way around or no even split. That is undisputed now. Brady made Belichick. But, but not only does this prove that Brady made Belichick, this also destroys, completely and unequivocally destroys the myth of the Patriot way. For all those years, for decades now, essentially, maybe a decade and a half at least, there has been this mythos of the Patriot way having to be completely formal, completely business-like, no fun, uh, you know, very short with the media, not disclosing anything, you know, Brady taking these pay cuts in order to give the Patriots more cap space in order to win a Super Bowl. All of these things about how you must win a Super Bowl in the modern era with te- with with media and, and social media and all of this that you have to be completely professional and, and no fun and, and all of this, all of the things that have built the mythos of the Patriot way and how to a varying degree, other franchises have tried to emulate because it seemed like that was the way to go. That whole thought process completely wiped away now. And here's why. Look at what happened with Brady this year. Look at what Brady was able to do during the regular season, but especially in the lead-up to the Super Bowl. I don't know if you guys watched the... uh, I don't know if you guys watched the pregame show at all for the Super Bowl. But Brady was able... Brady did an interview with the Nickelodeon guys who called the playoff game for Nickelodeon, and it was a it was you know it's what you expect from Nickel from Nickelodeon guys. It was you know more silly questions. It was more fun. It was more laid back. 
Do you really think that Belichick would have allowed Brady to do something like that? That uh, frivolous? If this were the Patriots? Absolutely not. And it seemed to me that Brady is was able to enjoy himself a lot more, but he was still winning. And and even after the win, you know, that the now infamous video of Brady throwing the Lombardi trophy and and partying on uh, you know uh in the Gulf of Mexico and you know all of this stuff that that has happened and and Brady just being much more laid back and, and at ease because he's unhindered by the by the patriot way and and I think Brady and obviously you need to have that balance and of course certain players need certain ways of thinking certain players need to be programmed one way or another in order for them to be successful and and I'm not I'm not trying to say that Brady doesn't have a good work ethic or anything like that. Obviously he does, but the concept of this very stringent, you need to be professional and, and, you know, and, uh, and very short with the media, don't disclose anything, et cetera, et cetera. All of the things that have, synonymous with the Patriot way. That whole concept and and the thought that that is the only way you are able to win has been completely destroyed now. In my mind, at least. Now, there are two franchises and what's kind of ironic to me is that uh the the other franchise in Boston or in the in the New England area obviously Patriots don't play in Boston anymore but the the other franchise that is very successful or well two of the other franchises that are very successful in Boston are kind of the opposite not entirely, but to an extent, yes. The Red Sox, you know, they were known to have fun and the, the long beards and all of that. They were known to be, you know, they, they were the antithesis to the Yankees, who the Yankees, not quite as well known or as high profile and not as, not as direct and not as... uh stringent when it comes to certain things as the Patriots were and not as well known. But the Yankees, they have their policies that is very much business-like and focused professionalism and all that, you know, the no beards, uh, you know, all of those rules that the Yankees have are similar to the Patriots. And, And there was a time, to a lesser extent, but there was a time that you know, when the Yankees had their dynasty, 
that that is the way that you have to do things in order to win. And the Red Sox came in and completely destroyed that because they were the, you know, the the Johnny Damon long beards and and the you know long hair and all of this and and showing that you can win and still have fun. Uh and I can't believe I'm actually praising the Red Sox right now. Some someone please get over here and fix my brain. But uh, I digress. But you know that and, and then on top of that, the Bruins as well. Also, you know, Zidane Char and his playoff beards and all of that. You know, they've had a lot of fun. But this this win, if if this leaves, and and of course, like I said, and this year with with everything going on and all of that and the opt outs and no fans and all of that, it's a different. Year completely different animal and there are going to be debates and especially now with it being Brady winning his seventh and getting the, you know, be becoming, you know, known as the greatest of all time and all of that. I'm sure when the dust settles and we start to move forward, unless Brady wins another one, which is not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, you know Brady. Uh, how how long have we been saying? Oh, is Brady? You know, it it's been a decade that we've been saying. Oh, is is this going to finally be the year that Brady finally starts to show his age? And what's funny about it is, you know, for the first part of the the 2010s, every year it seemed like people were asking that question. Is this going to be the year that Brady finally shows that he's mortal? And then after a while, after like five or six years of asking the question every single year, finally people just said, nope, I'm done asking the question. He's, he's, no, he's not going to slow down. And this year it started to kind of that question ramped back up a little bit because of him leaving New England. But now, after the Super Bowl, I think it's basically, okay, he's just going to play however long he's able to. And it doesn't, he's not showing any sign of slowing down at all. And the way that he plays, as long as his arm is still there, he can play for as ever, however long as he wants to, and he doesn't look like he's gonna stop anytime soon. So he's, I, I'm gonna say it right now. I I definitely think that he more than likely will win another Super Bowl. Beyond this, so the the debate of whether or not this year counts probably won't mean anything because I think he's gonna win another one, but. If he doesn't, assuming he doesn't, then there is going to be that debate of does this year count because of everything going on? And I can understand that, but I think you can't deny what he's done. I think the debate more so falls on Belichick. But again, I think Belichick has at least a few more years in the tank. 
and especially and and there will be debates galore about what Cam Newton has left and all of obviously all of the opt outs was a big factor. But I do think that Belichick will find a quarterback that will work for him. And as long as he's able to do that, then the debate really begins. Because now, of course, he's going to have to face off against, you know, Lamar Jackson. He's going to have to face off against, obviously, Patrick Mahomes in the AFC. There are teams in the AFC that are going to be legitimate contenders for for the AFC championship for a while. And even, even in the AFC East. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, they're on the rise. I don't know. I don't think they're quite there yet, but they're getting there. So, now obviously Belichick isn't afraid of competition at all, but especially if they're able to get a legitimate franchise quarterback who is still on his game and everything, and that is not a viable excuse. If Belichick isn't able to win another Super Bowl in his career, the debate's over. Brady won. Brady made Belichick. And the concept of the Patriot way being the only way to win goes away forever. That That's just simply... That that's just simply how it's going to be. So that's that's how that's how it's gonna be. That that's simply how it's gonna be moving forward. And it's going to be very interesting to see how that impacts the the next few years. And what will be really fun really fun and this would this would end the debate once and for all is if Belichick and Brady ever faced off in the Super Bowl I I would love to see that I would love to see that but I I I forget if I mentioned it entirely but the other thing that really resonated for me that really showed the difference between you know the New England Patriots Brady and the new Tampa Bay Brady is is that party i i, I did actually mention it but let me go back and and talk about that uh, a little more the fact that Brady you know, had the party on on the on the boats. He threw the Super Bowl trophy. You know, that would have been com- considered like you know the the more the mortal sin in Tampa Bay because you have to have respect for the trophy and and all of this and and being very professional and everything that went with the Patriot way. And he essentially. In two big moments, the the first being the the Nickelodeon skit 
or the Nickelodeon interview. And then the second being his how he handled the party and all of that, throwing the trophy, all of that. It it basically destroyed the mythos of the Patriot Way forever. And even if another quarterback goes to New England and able to win, even then I think the concept that that and and this has been a concept that has been around for almost two decades. The the thought that the only way you can win is by being super serious and and focused and you know and and treating this like a business and and you know being completely professional and not really doing much in terms of the media, not talking to the media all that much, giving very short answers, not revealing anything, all of those things that were a a big uh, factor to the Patriot way. That concept, only way you can win, is dead and buried, in 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 my opinion. And and no matter doesn't have enough time to to pull out another dynasty, obviously. But even if Belichick was able to win another Super Bowl, I still don't think that concept ever comes back because it's been proven otherwise. His main guy, and and what's funny about it is I think that's why and what and what's even what's even funnier about it and yes he he got I'm going to use two other examples that kind of prove my point even further first is Rob Gronkowski Gronk looked like he was having so much fun this season because the the shackles were taken off because the the restraints were taken off, he could do what he wanted. He could say what he wanted. He could be more outgoing. As we've seen, when he ha- you know after he retired, uh, with him going, and even before he he retired, uh, with some of the interviews he's done away from the field, and and what he's done with WWE. And all of that, he has a big personality, and he wants to show that personality. And I think that was one of the big reasons, along with injuries, obviously. I think that's one of the big reasons why he decided to retire a couple of years ago. But then when he saw an opportunity, he said, I can go play with Brady again, and I can go play a place that I can be myself. Sign me up. And the other guy that I want to talk about, who, ironically, everyone thought, oh, the Patriots is going to be the pa- the best place for him to go because they'll be they'll put his ass they'll they'll uh they'll put his butt in gear. You know, they'll they'll put his butt in gear. Is Antonio Brown? 
And if if Antonio Brown can't make, you know, you, you know, if if Antonio Brown wasn't going to be the poster child of how the Patriot way was going to turn someone's career around, I don't know who was. And yet he only lasted in in New England for, you know, what? A couple of weeks before they released him. Now granted, he got some help, got some rehab and got but at the same time, and and who knows where he would have been if the, if Brady had gone to New England a few years ago. But I, he's another guy that you know with with the the lifestyle that and and the way Tampa Bay is and all of that. You were thinking, oh, this is a recipe for disaster. But he proved he could stay in check. Now, obviously, Brady's influence probably helped. And Brady, you know, he, you know, while he likes having fun, as we've seen, which is the first time that we've seen this from Brady, he he is still very professional. But I think Brady, the Buccaneers, have proven that you can have that balance and win. So, like I said, my thought on this, Brady proved that you can win without being too uptight. And Belichick has a lot of work to do to reclaim his legacy. Simple as that. Simple as that. And, hey, I would love to get your guys' thoughts on this. I would love to get everyone's thoughts on what they think this means for Brady, for Belichick, for the Patriots, for the Patriot way, all the things I've been talking about for the past half hour. Be sure to call on in. Phone lines will be wide open for the next half hour. Definitely want to get your thoughts on this. Be sure to call on in. 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll take a quick break. And when I come back, talk a little bit of some other stuff. Uh, we'll talk a little, uh, MLB news. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, college, what's going on there. And then, uh, and then, you know, the main thing I want to do in the next hour is get your thoughts on everything. Get a lot of callers in here. So be sure to call on up 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll be right back, right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. We are at the top of the hour at 8 o'clock. A little after 8 o'clock, 8.03 now. And I want to hear from you. Be sure to call on in 323-784-9681. The number again, 323-784-9681. Taking all your calls right now. But in the meantime, we'll switch over to some baseball talk real quick. Actually, before we do that, uh, one other NFL note to talk about, the Hall of Fame inductees uh, prior to the Super Bowl. Alan Fanica, who was on a bunch of different teams and a great offensive lineman uh, throughout his career. Congrats to him. Tom Flores, Calvin Johnson, big, big name uh, going to the going to the Hall of Fame uh, for the Lions. Yes, he didn't have the longest career, but still very productive, very uh very strong career and, and definitely well-deserved for Calvin Johnson. John Lynch uh, was named to the uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, again, a great player throughout his career, primarily known as a Buccaneer. Uh, and, you know, he he goes into the Hall of Fame. Drew Pearson uh, was named to the Hall of Fame as well, as was Charles Woodson, another great secondary Another great safety uh, who, you know, played for a couple of teams and, and was very successful. But the big name, the the headliner of this year's class is one Peyton Manning. And it's kind of fitting. It's kind of fitting that Peyton Manning was, uh, was named to the Hall of Fame class this year when, like I mentioned, he's the only other... Uh, quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl with multiple teams. So it's very fitting for him to go in this year after, you know, when Brady won a Super Bowl with his second team as well. So congratulations to all of those guys. And then one other final NFL note, Marty Schottenheimer, longtime head coach, primarily known as uh, a head coach for the Chargers. He died at 77 this week, so rest in peace to him. Uh, definitely he missed. Moving over to the baseball diamond, MLB news. The big news coming out of the MLB this week. Uh, MLB and the Players Association, I mean, not completely official, but they have come to an agreement on the start of the season. Uh, and the big news as of right now that have come, that has come out of the agreement is that they will keep the seven inning double header rule and the runner on second base and extra innings rule no word yet on the universal dh uh let me just say i've said it before i'll say it again and i will continue to say it until it either goes away or i just give up but all of the new rules are horrible. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. The Let me start from the beginning. The seven-inning doubleheader rule, it just feels cheap to me. Yes, I understand they're trying to 
preserve the players a little bit, I guess. I get. I, I'm guessing that's the official uh, reasoning behind the ruling. But it just feels cheap to me. It may, it dilutes the game. These guys are supposed to be the top guys, the the apex of their profession. They're supposed to be the best players in the world. And yet you're having them play. And and this this thought and this comparison will go away after a while. But you're making it feel like college summer ball or you're making it feel like high school. You know, this is the type of thing that I would see, you know, you know, well, high school plays seven innings, uh, you know, in, you know, in many summer collegiate leagues, if I, I, if I remember correctly, I think, uh, league did do it this way. Uh, I know the Sun the Sun Belt League did. I know the Beach Collegiate League does it this way that that if you're playing a doubleheader that's seven innings. And some collegiate leagues do just play seven inning games. But it just it just makes it feel like you're diluting the game. And this is my opinion, and and this this probably at least to an extent stems from my time in 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 collegiate you know in summer collegiate baseball and collegiate baseball just in general just feels like it it cheapens the game to me to me uh, because when I think of that rule of collegiate leagues so. Do you know now? Like I said, if if this thing sticks and they say this is a permanent rule now, then yeah, the next generation won't see anything. You know, won't see anything about it. And to be fair, double headers are not like are not as prevalent as they were last year. You had a few more than you did uh, in years past due to COVID and, and games being canceled. But prior to that, you know, the trend that had been building steam had been, you know, there haven't been as many doubleheaders. A lot of games, if there was a rain out, they would figure out a way to move it to one of the off days. So this isn't like, you know, back in the day when you would see day-night doubleheaders on on a regular basis. Would I like to see more doubleheaders happen? Yeah, it would kind of be cool. It would bring it would bring us back to, you know, that that time frame where there were more doubleheaders. But do I want it to be seven innings? No. No. These are the top players in the world. They should be able to play two nine-inning games. And if you want to rest some players for one game and and have a different lineup in each game, go for it. You know, that's what, you know, that gives you more opportunities to examine your team and see who, what players are hot, who are, who's hot, who's not, all of that good stuff. Use it. So... I want to see, I I want to see 
uh, nine-inning doubleheaders comeback. Moving on to runner on second base. Again, same concept. It cheapens the game. And here's the thing. And and I, I'm actually curious. I'm I'd have to look. I'd I'd have to do more research to see if it really made any difference in the the amount of innings that most extra inning games were played. Because yes, it means that one you know, one base hit can score in a run. But it basically, it's basically the same differential. You know, if you you hit a double, now I put, now now I will say, it it puts, you know, the other team on their heels a little bit. You know, it, it, it probably does shorten the game a little bit because, you know, one hit can put the other team on their heels and then you but and and then you can get them out one, two, three and, and end the game. I understand the reasoning why it's implemented. But if you're like and and this has always been my take on things. And this is why I, I prefer the NFL overtime system than than the college system. You should you shouldn't have separate rules. Like the only the only sport that I'll say I like their uh the only sport that I'll say I like their you their separate overtime rules just because it's kind of fun and because it doesn't really change at the heart of it it doesn't change how the game is played is the three-on-three NHL overtimes. Those are fun because it's just, you know, it's it's very arcadey, you know, which, but it's fun. It's fun. Whereas, you know, I, and I guess you could kind of say the same thing about the college football uh, overtime rules. It's very, it's very arcadey, but, that's kind of different because, well, here's the difference. Here's the difference. The hockey version, it doesn't fundamentally, it doesn't fundamentally change how the game is played. Whereas in college football, it does. And here's why. In college football, or or in football, your your goal is to drive down the field to score. But if you're already put in field goal position and of course you're you're going to want to score a touchdown. But when you're already put into field goal position, it doesn't make it as crucial. You know, as especially as long as you have a good defense. So that's the reasoning for why I don't like the college football uh, college football uh, overtime rules. 
Hockey, I'm okay with. And baseball, I don't like because just like in football, it cheapens the game. It makes it to where one blue pit could theoretically score a run right off the bat. And I understand they're trying to speed up the game and everything. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about a lot of the rules when it comes to baseball. And and I have a similar... I have a similar ethos when it comes to hockey and to an extent... Well, I, I've got a, a similar ethos when it comes to a lot of the rule changes for other sports as well. Whether it's hockey, football, uh, you know, the, the way pro wrestling has changed over the years in terms of how they handle things. Here's the thing. When you try to when when you try to bring in a foreign audience by changing things that are fundamental to the sport as a result of the core fan base, yeah, it may not seem it, it, you may not see the results immediately, but sooner or later, those fans are going to start to fade away, and you're going to lose more fans than you gain. Because here's the thing. Whether it comes to the big hits in football or the weight, you know, just the traditionalism of baseball or the big hits in the and the fighting in hockey or the, you know, the attitude and the edginess of pro wrestling that that mythos or or not mythos but but the perception of those sports no matter how much you try to change them and and make them something they're not that way of thinking of those who don't watch it because of those reasons will never change. No matter what you do to try to speed up the game of baseball, those who think it's too slow and too boring, barring something crazy where you fundamentally change the the game, it will always be there. Those who, who do not like the sport because they think it's too slow will always think it's too slow, no matter what you do to it, unless you fundamentally change the game. So this, and and in the process of trying to change the game to speed up the game, if you're destroying the game for those who love it because of what it is, then you're just, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You're hurting yourself to try to get a foreign audience to come in that will never come in. Thing goes when it comes to football and hockey. When it came to them trying to, you know, reduce the violence, and and yes, there are other factors to it, and I understand that. I understand there are, that there are safety reasonings for it. And yes, you want to you want to protect the players, obviously. But big hits and the the big hits in football, 
the the fights and the big hits in hockey. Those are what that that is one of the big things that draw fans in for in, into the game. And if you try to reduce that so much to where the game becomes alien, then then you're going to have problems. Uh, and, you know, same with pro wrestling and the edginess. You know, that's why companies like AEW have been doing so well is because they're going back to that edgier product. And, and that's what's going on there. So... You know the concept. You know this this concept that you know the the runner on second base and speeding up games and all this will draw more fans in. It's just it's nonsense. It's complete nonsense. It's it's not going to work in the way that Rob Manfred thinks. And I'm just gonna say it right now. I they they need to get Rob Manfred out of there. Because he's doing more harm than good to the game. Uh, like I said, no word yet officially on the Universal DH. I have my thoughts very clear on this in the past as well. I do not want the Universal DH. I think that's one of the great. That's one of the great things too about baseball and the MLB is how you. You know, and I, I would personally, I would love for them to go back to the way it was pre ninety six, or well ninety six and pro and and before that, different, uh, essentially different rule sets between the two leagues, and and have that be a very unique characteristic to baseball. You know, di- you know, obviously the DH rule difference. Uh, you know, certain umpires in each league called the game a different way. You know, stuff like that. Could you imagine any other league? And and that's one of the like, there are so many unique intricacies to baseball that other sports you couldn't even imagine what other sports might look like if they had those kinds of differences, like, yes, the, the AFL and NFL, yes, the AFL kind of had more rules that help, you know, they were the original pass happy league that wanted to protect the quarterback and have these high scoring games and all of that. Whereas the NFL pre-merger, obviously was the, you know, hard nose, you know, rough and tough uh type of football and protected defense and all of that. And I wouldn't mind seeing that again. I wouldn't mind seeing that. You know, have one or have one conference team or pass you know, more offense protected and the other more defense protected. But that's kinda you know I don't know. I don't know how well that will work, especially in today's modern game where it is so focused on on offense, which I love seeing defensive battles. And it look, I was thinking at first when you know after the first couple of possessions, it looked like the Super Bowl was going to be a very defense focused game, 
and it was going to be a very close, uh, you know, low scoring game. And then the Patriots or, and then the Buccaneers just took over. But I, I would love, you know, that's one thing I want baseball to retain is that uniqueness uh, between uh, the AL and the NL. So I don't want, I don't want universal DH. I don't want them to get rid of the DH. I want them to have it separately between the two leagues. And I, I hate, I hate to put this out there because I know, I, I just know that, you know, if, if, you know, if, Rob Manfred heard this idea he'd be like oh that's a brilliant idea he'd like somehow think it was genius idea because you know yeah as you can probably tell I'm not exactly a big Rob Manfred fan but the universal DH to me now it's not quite as uh, abhorrent as this other rule would be but the universal DH is equivalent or almost equivalent to if baseball decided to have a universal field that had universal dimensions. Because that's, that's one of the greatest things about baseball and one of the most unique things. And I don't even know how well it would work or I don't know. I don't even know how it wor- would work. Period. In any other sport, and this is something else. You know, if you want to call in three two three seven eight four nine six eight one, that number again three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. If you want to give me your thoughts on all of this, be my guest, and I would love to get people's thoughts on this. And and it would be interesting. I want to hear what people would think about how this would work. But the one of the greatest things about baseball is the uniqueness of each field. You know, a home run at Fenway Park down the left field line would be a, you know, could could theoretically be a lazy fly ball in just about any other ballpark. You know, same with Yankee Stadium, a a home run in in Yankee Stadium down the right field line and just in pretty much every other ballpark is a lazy fly ball. So, you know, how would that work in any other sport? You know, having different dimensions and and different, uh, you know, uh, different dimensions, different, uh, you know, different ways of feel you know different layouts of fields and all of that for any other sport i don't know how that would work uh and it it would kind of be interesting to see how how that would work uh but could you imagine saying oh, you know, we're going to have universal you know dimensions it would be it would be idiotic it would be asinine that's how, you know, like I said, it's not quite as bad as uh it's not quite as bad as that, but I th- I I believe in my opinion universal DH is is up there to where it is up to that level. So, we'll take a quick break. 
come right back, uh, talk some college stuff, talk about some things uh, on the college ranks, some big news coming out on the recruiting level, uh, so a lot of things to talk about on that. So be sure to stay tuned right here to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. And as always, if you want to call in, 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll be right back. Here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Where it began I can't begin to knowing But then I know it's growing strong Wasn't the spring And spring became the summer Who'd have believed you'd come along Touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. Halfway through the show, and we'll switch over to some college talk real quick. Uh, and as always, if you want to call in, get your thoughts on anything uh, going on in the world of sports, locally, regionally, nationally, uh, whatever you have in mind, call on in 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. The big news, two big news stories coming out of co- out of the college ranks uh, this week. Coming out yesterday, actually, uh, both of these. First, the NCAA considering extending the recruiting dead period to May 31st. The vote will occur next Wednesday, so we'll have all the updates for you uh, on that. We'll certainly have the updates for you on Wednesday's show, Wednesday night show, and I'll have more updates and more thoughts on the decision next week. Uh, But let me just give you my thoughts right now. Um, it would certainly be disappointing if it, if it were done. Uh, I'll, I'll say that first. Uh, definitely would be disappointing, uh, for, for all of these players, um, who, who you would think should have the opportunity, uh, to be able to, you know, Go do what they need to do, um, and and be able to uh, be able to go and visit these campuses and talk to coaches, all of those good things, uh, you know, quicker. But it, it would certainly be disappointing for those players. But I will say, another month and a half, especially looking at the calendar right now. And this is primarily focusing on football. Looking at the calendar, the last week of spring football for FCS is the is that week eight, the last day of of games is going to be April 17th. And right after the dead period ends, if it stayed where it was at right now. So you'd only have that one week to be able to make one visit. Does it really matter all that much if you push it back another month and a half? As long as that's the last pushback, does it really matter all that much? Because you're not going to be able to visit during games. You know, you're not going to be able to make an official visit during a game. You're not going to be able to make, you know, you're not going to be able to have that experience officially. Yeah, of course you can do an unofficial visit and whatnot. But does it really do all that much to help? If you keep it at the 15th. Yeah, of course you want to end this at some point. You know, all the people who are saying, oh, it's, you know, this huge, huge, huge deal that that they shouldn't push it back. Is it really? It's, I, I don't think so. Personally, 
I'm surprised that they're talking about this already. Only, you know, middle of February. You still have some time. Um, you know, this, you know, I, I'm torn on this. I think on one hand, another month and a half isn't going to do all, all that much. So if they want to push it back, fine. So be it. It won't, it, it's not going to make or break someone's recruiting. Because it's finally giving you a whole season of FCS football to go see. But at the same time, if you push it back again, when is it going to end? Yeah, a lot of people are hoping and and the reports are coming out that, you know, they want to have a mass release of the virus of the uh of the vaccine by the summer. They want to have everything, you know, back up and running by the summer. And and that's great. If that happens, that's great. Uh but, you know, the question still remains, when will it end? You know, uh, personally, what I would do in this scenario is I'd wait. I, I I would not make a decision on this right now. I would wait until, you know, mid-March, see where things are at, see what, what's going on in terms of the pandemic, in terms of a number of different factors, and see, okay, do we... Do we move forward now? Do do we stay where we're we're at, or do we push it back? But like I said, I don't think. Uh, and and if there's any recruits that are listening, or any coaches that are listening that want to put their two cents in on this, be sure to call on call on in. Definitely definitely call in. I want to get your perspective on this. Three two three two three. Seven eight four nine six eight one. That number again. Three two three seven eight four nine six eight one. But I don't think, personally, I don't think there's enough to say, or, or I don't think there's enough of a reasoning to say, oh, this is a huge deal if they push it back. Yeah, it's disappointing for the kids. Yeah, it's disappointing for coaches. Yeah, it's disappointing for everyone. All of this is, obviously. But is it really that for a month and a half? Probably not, especially considering the scheduling and the timing of all this. It wouldn't do a ton. So like I said, I would wait, see see how things go over this next month, maybe even month and a half. And and figure out where to go from there. That that's my that that's my personal thought thought on the matter. The other big news that came out this week, another disappointing news, uh, and kind of surprising to me. I did not see it coming. Uh, but, but now, but after reading about it and seeing what's happened to the conference, it, it makes sense. Uh, the MEAC, the Mid, Mid America, or Mid East, or Mid Eastern Athletic, uh, Conference, 
canceled their football season. Uh, there are a couple of schools in the area that it affects, primarily SC State, uh, as well as North Carolina A&T, which has a bunch of local players. Um, North Carolina A&T had already opted out, which is the reasoning for why the MEAC had to cancel the season is because a, a good portion of the programs had decided to opt out anyway. So disappointing for everyone. SC State, along with the schools that did not opt out, still want to play. They're uh, they're trying to figure something out, but this is kind of disappointing for them that this has happened this close to the season starting you know the SC State was supposed to play in just a couple of weeks SC State was supposed to start their season uh, next Saturday Uh, they were supposed to play Norfolk State so we'll see what happens there we'll see uh We'll see what happens there. We'll see if uh, if that game is still played and and where things go from here. But kind of disappointing for all these players. Uh, you know, obviously Ivy League canceled everything this year. Uh, there's a few other conferences, I believe, that aren't playing. So this is going to be a very ragtag spring football season. And I think a lot of us, well, some some expected this, some didn't, some thought, you know, that it would work out. I I kind of saw this coming as the the virus and the pandemic continued that you know, they they pushed back hoping for the best didn't happen obviously uh so some of those programs and conferences that had had to make that tough decision once again and a lot of them had to had to cancel things uh and this is not this is not the first bad week for SE state athletics the women's basketball team opted out of the remainder of the season last week. So now the football team is saying they, they're playing. They, they're saying they want to play. Now the, now the, now they have to figure out, okay, first off, you know, who can we play? And then, you know, the MEAC has to come out and say whether or not they're going to allow the teams that want to play to play. And then they have to figure out a schedule. A lot, there's a lot of things to work out here. A lot of things to figure out. Uh, a lot of things to figure out amongst the teams, uh, amongst the conference, all of that, and very limited time. This is. This is 
probably horrible timing. Now, granted, they didn't really have much of a choice because teams have the reasoning for this decision yesterday is because teams were opting out. So you didn't really have much of a choice. Uh, so this, this situation is going to be one to watch out. One to watch. It's going to be very interesting to see how they figure out uh, what they want to do with this. Uh, and and how they handle this situation. You know, foot, spring football season for the FCS starting starting this week, starting uh, starting tomorrow technically. Uh, you know, one only one game, uh, McNeese against Tarleton State. But you know. For for those of you football fanatics, uh, you know you you don't have any off season really uh, outside of the summer, obviously this year, uh, because you've got FCS football starting up this this week. Now it's only one game, but still, it's some it's something. But yeah, this is going to be a situation to keep an eye on. Uh, to see how they handle this, how they're going to pick games, and just a bunch of questions, a lot more questions than answers when it comes to this whole uh, situation uh, for for next for next week and the next coming weeks for FCS football. So it's going to be a very interesting uh, situation. A lot of a lot of questions, and, but you know, but looking at it just purely on a uh, just looking at it purely on a human level, very disappointing for the the players. For very disappointing for the kids uh, who may miss out on you know on some games. As a result, and I, I think, I think the MEAC will allow them to play the games. If 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 teams want to play, they're going to allow them to play. They'll have some games, but it's definitely not going to be a full season. I mean, it wasn't going to be a full season anyway, because they were only playing a couple of weeks. They were only playing ten weeks, and one of those weeks is just one game, so it's really only nine weeks and. And I don't think any I don't think any team was playing all nine weeks anyway. Uh, but but still another disappointing thing that has happened as a result of COVID. Uh, and but these players do have the opportunity to come back next season. Uh, the Ivy League has already said, and they're normally. They normally do not allow grad students to play. They normally, you know, you have to be an undergrad, but they have already announced that they will allow, uh, you know, fifth-year seniors, they'll allow grad students to play if they were seniors last year, or this year, rather. We'll, We'll have to wait and see what happens with that. 
because we still don't necessarily know what's going to happen with them next year because we don't know where we're going to be at. You know, the, it, it, it's funny. The goal, the goalposts have been moved so many times throughout this whole thing. And it, it, and, you know, like I talked about with the NCAA, the, the recurring dead period, it's, you know, when this started, it was, okay, let's give it a couple of weeks. Let's see, you know, where we're at in, you know, in April or May. And then May came and it was, okay, let's see where we're at in, you know, June or July with with the hot summer months. And then in July, it was, okay, let's see where we're at in August, you know, to figure out for football. And then, you know, and die down a little bit, you know, in August when, or in September when everyone decided to, you know, play football or all the FBS schools, at least they said, okay, let's see where we're at in, in November for basketball. And, and it's just kept on the goalpost kept on getting pushed further and further back. So it, it's disappointing. It's, it's very disappointing. And, and we haven't even touched base on, uh, on the local stuff, which we'll uh, we'll touch base in just a little bit on that. Uh, we'll we'll touch base on on all local stuff. Basketball, we got an SEHSL meeting to talk about, uh, and a bunch of other things to talk about on the local side, on the high school side, uh, coming up at the top of the hour. So to recap stuff. Uh, that has happened if you've just joined the show. Uh, if you have, you've missed a good one. Had a lot of big talking points. First about the Super Bowl. Went through the main storylines of the game and the main storyline coming out of it, which was Brady solidifying his place as the greatest of all time and proving that he can win without Belichick and Belichick's legacy kind of being on the decline now as a result of that. If you want to get your thoughts in on that, if you want to call in, let me know what you think about that topic or any other topic. Be sure to do so. 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. Talked about that. Then uh, at the top of the hour, talked about some baseball, talked about uh, at least preliminarily, the MLB and Players Association coming to an agreement for a season. Uh, talking about, uh, you know, they're as of right now, uh, no, no word on Universal DH, but are keeping the seven inning doubleheaders and the runner on second base. Uh, both of those things. Staying, uh, staying where they are. So though, you know, that that was that's the big news in baseball this week. Uh, obviously, M- NFL Super Bowl. You know, now looking towards the off season, a lot of storylines going on there. Will certainly keep track of all of that throughout the next couple of weeks. Deshaun Watson's still uncertain as to what his future has in store for him. Lots of things going on. 
and you know, not just on the pro level, but college as well. Slowly having march towards March Madness, uh, and and all of that, what that all entails, and you know, high school we got playoffs talk to talk about playoffs. We talking about playoffs? Yes, we're talking about playoffs. Talking about region tournaments, getting you ready for the SEHSL playoffs, and all of that good stuff. So be sure to keep it locked right here on Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central. And be sure to call on in 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. Lots of things to talk about in the world of sports right now. Yeah, so... So be 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 sure to uh, have your voice heard, uh, and let's uh, let, let's talk to the sports. Hope you guys have been uh, been enjoying the show. Uh, the 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 Super Bowl was great. I I definitely uh, enjoyed watching it, and although I was disappointed, I will say, uh, going back to the Super Bowl real quick. I was disappointed in two things, and one was well, both were kind of unavoidable. Uh, for one, I thought this game was going to be a lot closer than it was. I thought this was going to be a nail biter coming right down to the end, but it ended up being a complete blowout. And I think for the fans, and then obviously for the advertisers and everything. That's the one thing you hate to see is a blowout that by, you know, the the fourth quarter, it's like, okay, it's over. Now, you didn't necessarily think that with with this game because because of the two quarterbacks. You thought, oh, Mahomes, if he could get some momentum, if he could get something going, they, they can do it. They can come back. But it was a very long uphill climb that they had to uh traverse in order to in, in order to do that uh and after a while you kind of knew there okay there there's no way they're coming back from this and you know that i'm sure was a tough pill to swallow for chiefs fans uh after a while it, it was like okay it's 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 hopeless at this point uh, but then the other thing that was kind of disappointing, and there were some good ones. I'll I'll say there were some good ones. You know, the Craig Robinson Pizza Hut ones were good. The the uh, Paramount Plus ones were good, and, and there were a few others that were good. But the Super Bowl commercials were a little lacking this year, and I think there was there was a couple of reasons for it. Uh, that you know the uh based on what i heard based on reports a lot of companies either decided not to buy ad space for the super bowl this year or limited their their ad space revenue this year because of the pandemic so you didn't get as many companies buying in you didn't have doritos going in they always have a fun one uh 
you didn't have there were a few other companies i think if i remember correctly not that none that really popped into my head other than uh doritos that always seemed to buy ad space for the super bowl and and always seemed to do well with them and always have memorable ones that didn't buy this year but just based on what i've heard that you know companies decide not to buy in this year and so that made things a little difficult uh Still a couple of good ones. You know, you had the Craig Robinson Pizza Hut ones. Those were a lot of fun, the Pac-Man ones. Uh, you had the the Paramount Plus ones. You had a few good ones. But I think the re- the because of the amount, the limited amount of companies, and I think some companies, for whatever reason, whether they thought they needed to cut things down or if they, you know, for whatever reason, I think some companies didn't go all out on their Super Bowl commercials this season. So those are my thoughts on on that. So I'll take a quick break uh, and then come back. We'll talk some high school sports for the final hour of the show, get you guys ready for the updates on a bunch of different regions region tournaments going on right now uh some regions not having tournaments with with playoff clinching games coming up and all of that good stuff get you ready for this weekend on that front and as always like i mentioned if you want to call in get your thoughts on anything that i've talked about or if there's anything i haven't talked about that you want to get your thoughts on uh or get my thoughts on be sure to call on in 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll step aside and come right back here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited here on Southern Sports Central as we are at the top of the hour, 9 o'clock here on the East Coast. And we got some high school sports to talk about for the final hour. And as always, if you want to get your thoughts in on anything sports-related, be sure to call on in 323-784-9681. That number again, 323-784-9681. Switch over to the high school level and a bunch of regions that have either finished up and, and have region champions or are finishing up but the seed but the champion cleared or or at least the playoff content the playoff teams have been uh finalized, uh as well as some tournaments going on starting this weekend or, or finishing up. So we'll start off up in the upstate, we'll go around the state before we Finish off with some of the Grand Strand teams. Up in Region 2-5A, Dorman. Surprise, surprise, they have won the region title for Region 2-5A. Not surprising there. They're going to be one of the top teams in the playoffs this season. Ridgeview wins Region 4-5A. This year, their first year uh, in 5A after jumping up from 4A last season. And they're, you know... They're going to be a tough out. They're going to be one of the top teams uh, in 5A as well. That could be an interesting battle between Dorman and Ridgeview. May see it in the championship in the upper state championship game this season. Blythewood versus Spring Valley tonight. Uh, that matchup is uh, big for Region 4 5A. Obviously, Ridgeview has clinched the region title in the number one seed out of the region. But Blythewood and Northwestern uh, still battling uh, for those two for for those uh, for the number two spot for the number two seed. Uh, if Blythewood wins tonight, they are the number two seed in Region Four Five A. But if Blythewood loses, Northwestern will be the number two seed. Dutch Fork has won Region 5-5A. They great great on the football field. Uh, not quite as good, but still very good on the basketball court as well. Irmo and AC Floor are the two representatives from Region 4-4A. Uh, but the two will face off to determine who is the region champion. Uh I believe either today or or tomorrow or next week at some point. So that that's going to be a game to keep an eye on and definitely a game to watch uh over these uh you know over these next couple of days. Region 53A starts their region tournament tomorrow. Swansea versus Gilbert uh will is the main game uh well is is one of two games tomorrow. The winner of that game will play Orangeburg Wilkinson. Strom Thurmond and Fox Creek will face off. The winner of that game will play Brooklyn Casey. And then obviously we'll go through the remainder of the tournament. Getting close to uh, the playoffs. The playoffs starting in just a couple of weeks. Uh, We'll have uh, we'll have all the coverage for you. All of the uh, we'll have the bracket for you when it gets revealed. 
and all of that good stuff. The uh, tournament starts uh, February 20th for the girls. Uh, and I believe on the 22nd, on the 21st for the boys, if I remember correctly. Nope, the 22nd. I was right the first time. Uh, so, you know, those, those games are going to be, you know, th- these next couple of weeks uh, or this next week and a half, essentially, are going to determine seeding, determine who's in and who's out. So a lot, uh, a lot of things still to be determined, so- at least somewhat. Um, but uh, a lot of things being finalized now, uh, and uh, like like we've seen as a result of COVID and everything that's happened uh, throughout the winter, some regions and and this I think will get uh, this will get more will get regulated and more. Um, more uh you know focused and well well more uh more direct and and each each region or not each region but each classification will make it a standardized thing uh one way or the other next season but some regions who were able to get in Others have been kind of a, a a cluster of things going on between uh, with different regions throughout this season. So a, a little bit of a mixed bag of how regions are getting their playoff teams this season. But that will all get organized and and set up next season. Like I meant, you know, like we talked about a few weeks ago when Region Six Four A announce the region tournament some coaches like the idea of having a region tournament each year even in a normal season so we'll see if it if it gets if it stays at least in certain classifications you would have to imagine that in a regular year an entire classification would need to do it throughout the state in order for it to work properly but that is something I'm sure those in power are talking about already uh, when it comes to all of this uh, going on. Moving on to some of the lower uh, classifications, Gray Collegiate and Newberry have clinched playoff spots for Region 4-2A. They will face off to determine the region champion, the region champion. but right now what's kind of interesting with the with the records of each team, Great Collegiate just needs to win one game. They just need to beat Newberry once. But Newberry Newberry needs to be needs to beat Great Collegiate twice in order to become the region champion. So that's something to keep an eye on over these next this next week or so. Uh, the the games between those two. C.A. Johnson and Great Falls have clinched playoff spots for Region 2-1A. They will play twice to determine the region champion. They are tied right now, so uh, could be an interesting tiebreaker there. 
Rock Hill and Ridgeview girls, moving on to the girls' side, have both clinched playoff spots for Region 4-5A. Lexington girls won the Region 5-5A region title. There is a three-way tie for second place in that region between White Knoll, River Bluff, and Dutch Fork. Dutch Fork plays Chapin tonight, while White Knoll plays River Bluff tomorrow. So that may get decided. Some big games both tonight and tomorrow to decide that region's runner-up and who will go to the playoffs between those two, those three teams on the girls' side. Catalba Ridge girls, they have won the Region 3 4A co-champs uh, Along, I'm not sure who they coach there, but that region is in the books. Not sure how they're going to decide uh, the champions there uh, and who gets the number one seed. Westwood and Irmo girls clinched their playoff spots for Region 4 4A. Uh, Westwood played Lugoff Elgin tonight, and a win for Westwood would clinch the region title. North Augusta girls, surprise, surprise. Even uh, even after losing one of their key players uh, from last season in one Jamani Ingram, they're still a very strong team. They are one of the teams to beat in, uh, in all of 4A, and they have clinched the Region 5 4A title. Girls Region... 5-3A conference tournament starting tonight. That's one to keep an eye on. Hampton girls have clinched the Region 6-3A region title. Saluda girls, they've been one of the best teams in the state this season. They clinched the Region 4-2A title. And East Clarendon girls won the Region 4-1A title. So those are uh, those are the uh, Those are the uh, clinches and and the uh, and and the updates on on the playoffs that moving into this final week of the regular season. That is for around the state. Now let's move on to the Grand Strand, where this week was a big week. With region the Region Six Four A tournament uh, happening this week, it was pushed up a little bit. I think it was supposed to start tonight initially, but they moved it up. Had it played over the last three days, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and we have region champions. Hartsville, Hartsville won the boys tournament. Uh, beating Myrtle Beach 71-46 last night. Both Hartsville and Myrtle Beach, both the the winner and the runner-up, will make the playoffs. So Hartsville will get the one seed and home court advantage with Myrtle Beach going on the road as the two seed. And North Myrtle Beach, who lost to Hartsville in the semifinals, they do have a chance to potentially make it in as an at-large bid. So 
So we'll have to wait and see. Probably will get in as an at-large bid, considering how strong Region 6-4A is. Uh, but that's something we'll have to wait and see until the brackets for the playoffs come out. On the girls' side, the Chiefs, the Lady Chiefs, won the girls' tournament with Darlington, the runner-up. 39-25, North Merrill Beach wins the region tournament final last night. So the Chiefs will get the number one seed. The Falcons will get the number two seed. And the Seahawks of Myrtle Beach, they won the consolation game, the third place game. And they have a chance of potentially getting into the playoffs as well on the girls' side. Carolina Forest won region 6-5A. They uh, have a officially clinched the region title there. Kind of surprising, but Region 6-5A decided not to play a region tournament. Decided just to have a couple of uh, region games to determine uh, who gets in and and who does not. Region 7-3A, however, is playing a region tournament. That started last night for the girls and is starting tonight for the boys. On the girls' side last night, Loris beat, Di- Loris beat Georgetown 46-28 with Waccamaw beating Dillon 60-31. to And then later on tonight, the boys start. Loris will face off against Dillon at Dillon. And Georgetown will head to Waccamaw. And one of the biggest storylines, and, and you have to imagine that Waccamaw is, is you know, have their mouth watering at this prospect and are just rubbing their hands together saying, bring it on. But as a result of COVID protocol, the, the varsity team is in COVID protocol. have had, had to quarantine, but instead of, and I'm kind of surprised that other schools have decided, have not decided to do this. Although maybe they haven't been able to because this scenario hasn't happened. But the JV team is not in quarantine for Georgetown. And instead of forfeiting and ending their season, Georgetown has opted to field their JV team in this region tournament game. handling things. Yes, it sets you up to potentially, you know, be able to continue playing and it gives the JV team a great opportunity uh, to get some experience and play at a varsity level. But at the same time, it puts you at a great disadvantage in that game. Uh, That's going to be one to watch just to see if the Georgetown, because Georgetown is was supposed to be one of the better teams in 3A this season. So to see if if the JV team is able to win a region tournament game could be interesting. It's it's definitely a storyline to keep an eye on tonight. So definitely, you know, if you know, if if you want to see what happens there, be sure to, you know, check things out online and whatnot. Definitely, de- definitely the most intriguing region tournament game I've I've uh, seen. 
So there are your notes uh, from out around the state and now around the Grand Strand uh, when it comes to uh, the region tournaments and moving moving forward towards the uh, towards the SEHSL playoffs, which we had an update on uh, this week during the SEHSL executive committee meeting. Talk about the main storyline of that meeting j- just in a little bit. But first, they have still yet to decide on a location for the finals. Uh, did announce that they will play. Um, they will play the lower and upper state tournaments. I'm assuming at local sites. It'll just be a home game for lower state. Uh, but still no official word on on the venue for the state championship, and time's starting to run out. They they need to start getting uh getting things going on on that level. Uh, but we'll we'll see what happens there. We'll we'll keep an eye out and and be sure to report what we hear uh on that level. Before we move on to some other news and notes, run through the SCBCA, the Basketball Coaches Association polls for this week. On the 5A level, Ridview stayed at 1, Dorman is at 2, Malden jumped up from 5 to 3, Dutch Fork dropped a spot from 3 to 4, Goose Creek jumped up from five from 7 to 5, Riverside jumped up from 8 to 6. Burns dropped from six to seven. Carolina polls after not being ranked last week, and like I mentioned, clinching Region Six Five A. They're going to be a team that's going to be a, a tough one to beat uh, in Five A. I think this season, so be sure to keep a, keep an eye out for the Panthers. Gaffney also jumps into the polls after not being ranked. And Blythewood, four all the way down to 10. They had a tough week this past week. Going over to the girls' side, no changes this week. So Clover stays at one, Sumter at two, Ridgeview at three, Somerville at four, Rock Hill at five, Goose Creek at six, Woodmont at seven, Dorman at eight, JL Mann at nine, and Burns at 10. Four A boys, AC Flora stayed at one. Irmo jumped up from three to two, with Aiken dropping from two to three. Between those two, four easily stays at five. Hilton had jumped all the way up from being not ranked all the way into the sixth spot. North Merle Beach jumped up from nine to seven. Hartsville dropped from eight six to eight, but that may change. Uh, this week after North, after Hartsville won the region tournament. That more than likely will change this week uh, with the polls coming out. Polls come out uh, on Saturday, or excuse me, come out later on today, come out on Friday, uh, and do not count the Friday games. 
But that more than likely will change. Hartsville more than likely will jump up at least back up to six, if not even higher. Travelers rest jumped up for what, or excuse me, dropped down from nine to set from seven to nine. Travelers rest switched, and South Bay can drop down from eight to ten. Four A girls, West Side stays at one. Greenville jumped up from four to two. North Augusta stays at three. Greer jumped. Dropped down from two to four, and the rest stayed the same. Westwood at five, South Point at six, Catalba Ridge at seven, Irmo at eight, Bluffton at nine, and May River at the ten spot. Three A boys, Bishop England stays at one, Wren at two, Dylan jumped all the way up from eight to three. They are doing very well right now, and they. Start off the region tournament tonight. They're looking to uh, make a good run in the region tournament and get into the playoffs. Oceanside stays at four. Marlboro County jumped up from being not ranked all the way up to five. Mid Carolina, Marlboro County, they're they're playing very well in in three A and not playing as well as they have. Because they were one of the best teams in Region 6 4A last year. And yet not quite getting the same type of accolades this year as they did last year. Did lose some pieces. Did lose a few seniors. But still, kind of surprising that they are not considered one of the best teams. Well, they are. They are considered one of the best teams in 3A. But still... They were ranked in in 4A almost all of last season. Mid Carolina dropped down from seven, or excuse me, went up from seven to six. Seneca jumped up from not being ranked all the way up to seven. Orangeburg Wilkinson down from six to eight. Berea jumped up from not being ranked to ninth, and Woodruff had a tough week this week, dropping down all the way from number three down to ten. Going over to the girls' side, no changes this week. Keenan stays at one, Bishop England at two, Southside at three, at four, Camden at five, Blue Ridge at six, Emerald at seven, Clinton at eight, Wren at nine, and Chapman at ten. Two A boys, Gray Collegiate stays at one, York Prep at two, Christ Church stays at three, Landrum at four. Wade Hampton jumped up from 9 to 5. Greer Middle College jumped up from 7 to 6. Legion Collegiate dropped down from 5 to 7. Andrew Jackson dropped down from 6 to 8. Hugh Claire jumped up from 10 to 9. And Crescent jumped up from being not ranked. 2A girls, everything stayed the same. Christchurch at 1. Marion at 2. Saluda at 3. Woodland at 4. Philip Simmons at 5. Latta at 6. Mullins at 7, Andrew Jackson at 8, Blacksburg at 9, and Chesney at 10. 1A boys, everything stayed the same there as well. Scott Branch at 1, South Carver's Bay at 4, Military Magnet at 5, McCormick at 6, Calhoun County at 7, Will Branch at 8, Hunter Kennard Taylor, Tyler at, at 9, and Hannah Pamplinko. At 10. 1A girls, Military Magnet stays at 1. Whale Branch jumped up from 4 to 2. East Clarendon jumped, stayed at 3. 
High Point Academy dropped down from two to four. Lakeview jumped up from six to five. Denmark Olar jumped up from seven to six. Estill dropped down from five to seven. Cross State at eight. Blackville Hilda jumped up from 10 to nine. And Southside Christian jumped up from not being ranked to 10. We'll have a few other notes for you uh, in just a little bit. But as always, if you want to call in, last half hour, if you want to call in, get your thoughts on anything out there. If you want to talk about anything in the world of sports right now, be sure to call on in to do so. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323 323- Seven eight four nine six eight one. I'll take a quick break and come right back. Some final thoughts, some final high school notes. Talk about the SEHSL meeting this week. Talk about the note, the notes about that, and get you some recruiting notes. Fine, some final recruiting notes, and wrap up the show right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Hey yo, you ready? Let's do it. Come on. I'm the definition of half man. Since the notorious 
us. We still got warriors, still be the victorious. See, it's a lot of them, but it's more of us. Still got cash to blow, raps to flow. Still them cats to know, pack to flow. That's for sure. The pop, the rock, play the background, handle my shot, hold my money to get. Cost to flip, love it, place nothing above it. It's on like that. Don't believe we ain't going like that. We're always going to be here. We there. Right here, forever and ever. We 